Today is the feast day of St. Charles Borromeo. I have been devoted from my youth to him. He is the patron saint of catechists and catechumens. But I've been devoted to him because my father, when he first came to America, worked at St. Charles Hospital. I'd like to think it was named after St. Charles Borromeo, who attended to the victims of the plague in 1576. More likely, the Bishop of Toledo at the time it was founded was Carl Joseph Alter, who probably wanted a hospital named after himself. In any event, my father took care of the sick there at St. Charles, and we always looked up at the great statue of St. Charles as you entered the lobby there of the hospital. When I went to Italy, I had to learn Italian. I went to the north of Italy, near Lago Maggiore, uh, near uh, Verbania, Stresa, and Arona, where St. Charles's family is from. I also happened to visit the cathedral at uh, the Duomo there in Milan, where he is buried. I have many reasons to be devoted to St. Charles. He is patron saint of seminaries and seminarians. And I was both a seminarian once and, uh, for better or for worse, a seminary professor for eight long years. St. Charles Borromeo is also one of the patrons of bishops. And one of the things that is striking to me about St. Charles Borromeo is his heart. I remember when my parents were elderly 15 or so years ago when I was defending my doctoral dissertation in Rome, they came for a visit and my father, though he was infirm, insisted on walking down the Via del Corso to the church of San Carlo al Corso. And the reason he did is because the heart of St. Charles Borromeo is there in a reliquary. And he made the long walk and he knelt there quietly in prayer. And if we think about the heart of St. Charles Borromeo, the first thing we should think about is the virtue of faith. St. Charles Borromeo is from a very noble family. His mother was a Medici. His uncle, also a Medici, became Pope Paul IV. He was named Cardinal at age 21. And he decided to leave Rome and become the first resident Archbishop of Milan in 80 years to reform his church there. At that time, bishops and priests seldom have ever said mass. They lived in palaces, they had people wait upon them, they acquired more and more territory, more and more wealth. And so we might wonder, well, why did St. Charles not turn out like the rest of his peers? Part of it was he had parents who were serious about their Catholic faith, who made sure that he had proper instruction. He also spent long hours in prayer both before the Lord Jesus in the tabernacle and before the crucified image of the Lord, reflecting on his pierced heart. St. Charles Borromeo conversed familiarly with God, and he had great faith. But the church of his day was a corrupt one, filled with power, with wealth. The priests lived double lives. It was often said, uh, if you want to go to hell, become a priest. We could still say that even in our day. But St. Charles knew if you want to renew and reform the church, you have to renew and reform yourself. And not by your own efforts, but especially by the tender mercies of God. And so we cooperate with God's grace. We take certain actions ourselves, we pray, we fast, we do penance, little acts of mortification. This was all part of his spirituality, but as a response to knowing that he had been forgiven by God, 
that God's tender mercy was there, that the heart of Jesus was there at hand. St. Charles also wrote many homilies on the Holy Eucharist and the importance of the Eucharist, which is a gift from the heart of Jesus. And so he wanted a liturgical and spiritual renewal in his diocese. He called many synods during his time in provincial councils. He went and visited the parishes to revive the people's love for the heart of Jesus in the Holy Eucharist. One reason why he is a great patron is his great faith in Jesus Christ and him crucified and risen from the dead, in Jesus Christ who gives himself to us in Holy Communion. In fact, in the seminary chapel in Cincinnati, there's a great window in the center of the chapel. By that point, Archbishop Carl Joseph Alter was Archbishop of Cincinnati. He had a new seminary chapel constructed, and there was a window of St. Charles. And the first frame is of St. Charles giving Holy Communion to Aloysius Gonzaga. He wanted to see that the people of God actually got the sacraments. 350 years ago, when the Lord revealed his sacred heart to St. Margaret Mary, Jansenism was on the, on, the, on the rise, and priests were boasting as to how many people did not receive communion in their church that year. It seems perverse. In fact, it is. And because the hearts of men had grown cold, and especially the hearts of priests, Jesus revealed his heart to St. Margaret Mary. Today, more than ever, our world needs faith, and especially faith in God's mercy and faith in the Holy Eucharist. So the first thing St. Charles Borromeo makes us think of is faith. But the second virtue I think he helps us to think about or reflect upon is compassion. In that stained glass window in the seminary chapel in Cincinnati, the second frame shows St. Charles Borromeo visiting the sick. A great famine had struck Milan in 1571 St. Charles, like Jesus, whose heart was moved with, compity, with pity for the great crowds because they were like sheep without a shepherd, because they had had no food to eat and performed a great miracle of love for them. From his own table, he daily fed 3,000 during the time of famine. This having cut his own salary by 80% already. He lived a life of poverty. He, stri he stripped himself of this world's goods and out of compassion, he gave to the poor. But when in 1576 the plague struck Milan, many people were tempted to flee. He demanded that his priests remain and that they tend to the sick. And rather than simply delegate someone else to tend to the sick, he himself went to anoint the sick. And so the second window shows him showing mercy and compassion, giving the sacrament of the sick extra unction to the infirm. It shows that his heart, which was in union with the heart of Jesus, was not only a compassionate heart, but a courageous heart, a brave heart, willing to strip himself of the world's goods, willing to wash his hands of bad and fake relationships, willing to get his hands dirty, even in touching the sick, that they might know the mercy and compassion of God. He even arranged some of his churches in cruciform shape and brought the sick in there and put the Blessed Sacrament in the center so that the people could be close to Jesus and, they, and he could be close to them. So the second virtue I think we could 
reflect upon is not only compassion, but also courage. We need courage, courageous witnesses to God's mercy and compassion in our world today. The world has enough cowards, even those who commit acts of violence these days. They are not brave. They are cowards rather than seeking a way for peace. They react, they try to strike terror. It's more work, more energy, and requires a greater degree of trust to make peace and to be reconciled. The third virtue with which we must, upon which we must reflect this morning is the virtue of humility. St. Charles Borromeo's Episcopal motto is a single word, humilitas, humility. In our gospel today, we encounter Jesus in the 14th chapter, and he has been invited to the house of one of the leading Pharisees. In the first part of the gospel, Jesus, which we did not hear today, but which was actually yesterday's gospel, Jesus went to the home of the Pharisees, and he saw a man suffering from dropsy. And he asked, is it lawful to cure on the Sabbath or not? But no one bothered to answer him, in part because the Pharisees had their way of strictly looking at the law. No work to be, was to be done according to their interpretation, not even the works of God of mercy and compassion. We see how far their hearts were from the heart of Jesus. And they kept silent, no comment, because they were all looking for the best place at table. But Jesus healed the man and dismissed him. Jesus' heart was full of compassion. The second story, though, then Jesus tells in the 14th chapter was today's gospel. He told a parable about people who had been invited to a banquet, and they were all looking for the place of honor. And he said, look, always choose a lower place, lest someone of higher rank be called up, and you have to give your place, and you go back red-faced to a lower place, embarrassed. Rather, when you are invited, go and take the lowest place, so that when the host comes to you, he may say, my friend, move up to a higher position. Humility was the way of St. Charles Borromeo. Even though he was the nephew of the Pope, he served his people. The third window, the frame in that stained glass window, is an image of St. Charles Borromeo as the shepherd, carrying his shepherd's staff in front of the cathedral in Milan. He went to actually be with his people, to serve his people, to wash the feet of his people, to feed his people, and to proclaim the gospel to them. When his priests were going to flee during the time of the plague, he said, look, God has given us only the gift of only one life. Let us spend it in the service of our Lord, and, of, and to save souls, not on our own terms, but on God's terms, echoing the words of Innocent XI, I will what you will, I will it because you will it, I will it in the way in which you will it, I will it for as long as you will it. Jesus encourages us to be humble. And when we are humble, we can also be receptive to God's grace. St. Luke's Gospel is filled with a the theme of reversal of fortunes. 
beginning with Mary's Magnificat, where Mary says, he has cast down the mighty from their thrones and has lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. The theme of reversal of fortune shows itself in the different parables Jesus shows. For example, in the 10th chapter, Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan. Samaritans were hated by Jews, and yet the priest and the Levite are the fiends, and the Samaritan is the hero of the parable, a reversal of fortune. In St. Luke's Gospel, there is a story of the rich man who had all this world's goods, and Lazarus, the poor man who sat at his door who begged for scraps from the table and who had sores. And even the dogs came and licked poor Lazarus' sores, but when they died, Lazarus was in the bosom of Abraham and the rich man in fiery torment. And there was a great chasm between the two of them. And Father Abraham reminded the rich man of his fortune in this world and Lazarus's. But now Lazarus was enjoying eternal happiness, a reversal of fortune. Here in this gospel, those who take the highest place, their fortunes are reversed. They have to go down low. And those who take the lowest place, their fortunes are reversed. They are brought up high. Jesus uses these very words. Everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. In the 18th chapter of St. Luke's Gospel, where, what is the story there? A Pharisee and a tax collector go up to the temple. The Pharisee says, Lord, I thank you for this and that. I give, uh, I tithe, I say my prayers. I thank you that I'm not like this tax collector. And the tax collector sits at the back, bows his head, beats his breast. He cannot even raise his eyes to heaven, but he says, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. Only one went home justified that day, and Jesus said, everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Perhaps the greatest reversal of fortune was when God showed compassion upon us and sent his only begotten son into the world. And that son suffered and died for the forgiveness of our sins. We were condemned to an eternal death, but through his sacrifice, through the compassion of his sacred heart, we have the promise of everlasting life, the forgiveness of sins, hope eternal if we have friendship with him, if we unite our hearts with his and act accordingly. St. John Paul II once said, when a man goes in to a confessional, even before he has said the first word, he is already more of a man because he has humbled himself before another man. Then we confess our sins humbly, begging the mercy of God. And from the generosity of the heart of Christ flows mercy and goodness and charity. And so we can get back up from our kneeler in the confessional and arise and live our vocation as sons and daughters of God, setting the world on fire with God's love. This is our hope for this Sacred Heart Congress today, that our hearts would be transformed into burning furnaces of charity, following the example of St. Charles Borromeo by having faith in Jesus Christ, especially in the Eucharist, by having hearts full of com com compassion and mercy, courageous hearts that are willing to forgive even our enemies, and by being humble before God, 
so that we can be renewed. Renewal of the church today depends on personal renewal. But one by one, if we are renewed together, then we shall be saved together. And with the saints who intercede for us in heaven, enjoy eternal happiness. Then, and only then, will we be truly exalted. Let us commend ourselves to St. Charles Borromeo, that he might watch over us, protect us, and help us to have a heart more like the heart of Jesus Christ, full of mercy and compassion.